Homeward is committed to partnering with parents and equipping you with the resources you need to raise your kids to become responsible adults. And Steadfast Companies, a leading real estate investment company, is proud to partner with Homeward to bring you the following podcast presentation. Just for the record, Dad, you've never done anything for me. It's always been about you. I'm sorry for what I said, and I'm sorry for how I said it. I don't mean to be rude, but if you don't hurry up and get on with it, I'm out of here. I'm Jim Burns. Well, I think you'll agree that teenagers are some of the most unique and fascinating creatures on the planet. Now, I love teenagers, but sometimes they're thoughtful and insightful, and other times they're just kind of plain weird, if you know what I mean. But if you're the parent of one of these beings, well, there's one thing you can give your child that will help balance out the roller coaster mood swings of the teen years. You can give them boundaries. Well, during the next half hour, Dr. John Townsend will join me for a conversation about boundaries and teens. John's a noted author and researcher on this topic. He's also the father of two teenage sons, so he knows what he's talking about. Stay with us. It's going to be a great program today on Homework. From the studios at the Homeward Center for Youth and Family on the campus of Azusa Pacific University, welcome to Homeward with parenting and family expert Dr. Jim Burns. I'm Roger Marsh. You know, APU has the only doctoral program in the country that takes a strengths-based approach to higher education. The university focusing its students' strengths upon entry into the program and then helps them to develop and leverage those strengths in order to achieve excellence. If you want to learn more about earning your doctorate from APU, you can go to apu.edu or just find that link here on the Homeward website and uh, you can follow prompts as well. Now, is it possible to set up boundaries with your teenagers? Dr. John Townsend says not only is it possible, it's necessary. Here's part one of his conversation with Jim Burns. Welcome to Homeward. I'm Jim Burns. Today, a great day on Homeward. We have John Townsend with us. He's going to talk about teens. He's written a brand new book, just on the shelves called Boundaries with Teens, When to Say Yes and How to Say No. John, welcome to our program. Thanks, Jim. Well, it's great to be with you. Many people obviously know of your message, your ministry, who you are as uh, the co-author of Boundaries, a great book called Who's Pushing Your Buttons, many other books. You're heard on national radio program New Life Live. You live here in Southern California with Barbie and your two teenage sons. So you've written a book about teenagers, but you still are living it. Yeah, that's why I had to put a warning in the book, Jim. And somewhere in the beginning I put, now, the oven's not done yet. So, you know, whatever happens in our life, we want you to know these principles work, but we're still working the program. It really is. It's my world. It is the world. Isn't it amazing how when, you know, the teenage years approach, you think you know something about teenagers. I mean, I thought I was an expert until I had teenagers, and all of a sudden I went, I know nothing. I'm humbled by this. And it really changed the style of parenting from, from childhood to teenagers, because there's really kind of a change that takes place, isn't there? Yeah, in fact, that's, that's one of the points in the book, Jim, is that you have to be a different parent. Whatever you learned is a good foundation in infancy, toddlerhood, and latency and all that. But the rules are different. It's like somebody's turned a switch, and you can't have the same approach because the child is different. The child really is different. For me, I was shocked because I went, no, I'm a cool parent. They're going to like me. And all of a sudden, I realized, you know what? They were also influenced by their friends. In fact, at that moment, they were more influenced by their friends than they were by me. Actually, they were more influenced by God. 
Because if you go back to Genesis 2, where this all starts about leaving and cleaving, they were probably right on schedule with a design and an architecture. Everybody knows you're a cool parent. We all know this. Everybody in Not California. Not my kids. Knows, but besides them. <laughs> but, but even with a cool parent, something in them has to move out to the leaving and cleaving. And it's, it's a biological, spiritual complex that made their friends look so interesting and you like shredded wheat. Absolutely. Now, at the same time, you say in your in your book, uh, Boundaries with Teens, and before the program, I actually said to you, this is the book on teenagers right now. I, I believe it strongly. You said teens do some pretty irresponsible things. That's kind of the nature of adolescence. I mean, talk about that. Well, if you look at the big picture of adolescence, Jim, and as, as an expert, you see this all the time. The whole goal of being a child and parenting a child is a thing called adulthood. It's getting ready for adulthood. And every task and stage has its job. Well, the job of adolescence is to do two main things, I think. One is to integrate your dark side, your aggression, your impulses, your rebellion, your sexuality, all those scary things. You've got to bring them into relationship and all of the feelings and thoughts you have about those. And you've got to have a parent around. That's a crazy time because the dark side is scary. But if you don't do it now, the child's going to be an adult and deal with it later. The second thing they've got to do, though, is they've also got to reconcile a conflict called dependence-independence, mm -hmm. where... They're extremely you know, needy. They still need your support and your love even if they say they don't, but they hate it at the same time. They don't like being dependent people because they think they should be independent. So that's why it's so irresponsible is that they're throwing up all the cards and saying, what is my life? And your job is to be a structure to help make sense of it. Well, that's hard because for a lot of us, we really didn't have good parenting mm -hmm. role models, if you would. So we don't really know how to set boundaries. But yet at the same time, you're saying there have to be boundaries for kids. But you're saying we have to model boundaries in our own life. Oh, oh, it's just so crucial. you know. And if you're the parent of a teen, they're looking at you. That You may think you're so dismissed by them and they want to stay in their room or with their friends. But I promise you, they're watching you and they are doing what psychologists call internal. They're looking around at your life. Do you have love, freedom, order, structure, transcendence? If they see those things, they may say that they're bad, but they pay off later. Later, It's like you're putting money in an IRA in that child, mm -hmm. even if they don't thank you for it. Later, it bears fruit. And they really, they really do thank you for it. I, I'm learning that right now. I have a 22-year-old who, at 17, we were happy she was moving on to college <laughs> because it had been a really tough year. And she's come back and say, you know what? You and Mom are, were amazing. We were? Let's talk about the parents of, of a teen for a bit, because in many ways, your book was uh, was very helpful to me as a parent still of a teen. Because, you know, in, in many ways, I think I've been too hard on myself. I expected them to, to, to go through this smoothly. But sometimes I get enmeshed, and you, you talk about being enmeshed. And it seems to me that a lot of my friends, a lot of people I talk to, they would never say, I'm enmeshed. But but they are enmeshed. Explain what that means and, and yeah. what the issue is. It's the curse of our generation, Jim. You know, all of us in the, I don't know, the 35 to 50 range, you and I are 29, but the rest of our audience. <laughs> I think a lot, it's a, there's a generational thing there. Every generation has its currents, flows. And, and, and in ours, I think we wanted so much not to be authoritarian and not to be distant and disengaged and all that because, you know, the, the generation before that might have been more, that we're going the other way. And so what we've done is we've kind of become the adolescent. We've identified so much. And you see that in the culture, you know, the clothes they wear, the music, that's right. all stuff we do. And, and so what you find out is that instead of a good thing called a generation gap, which is a blessing, I mean, God created a generation gap so a child will have something to aspire to, we've gone the other way and become them, and they have nowhere to go. So here's the problem with enmeshment. You so identify with a child that the child has to go crazier to get away from you. 
So instead of like scruffy hair, if the parent comes in saying, hey, I've got your clothes and scruffy hair and all this, then the child has to go psycho and go gothic, extreme gothic or whatever, to make a difference between you and them. And so while we think it's connection, actually, it's taking away the definition the child needs to, like in, in Jacob's situation, Jacob needed to wrestle with God. We don't allow the child to wrestle with us. And, and what that means is that for many of us, we have to allow them in some ways some more freedom. For example, yes. you, you also said that we should not be responsible for their unhappiness. I meet a lot of people, and, and frankly, I'm not going to pick on, on women here, but a lot of moms who, who feel incredible responsibility if their child is just unhappy, having a bad day, or you know, a friend says something negative to them or about them, and the mom wants to go crazy. The mom wants to go fix it. You know, what, what do you say to that mom? Well, it's the same thing you say as when the kid's bored. You know, when, when your kids were toddlers and they said, I'm bored, if you said, well, let me try to find ways to entertain you. Here's a wire hanger. Here's Legos. Here's a video. You've got the wrong problem here. You've got to say, sweetheart, your boredom is your problem. I love you. You're five now. Look around your room. <laughs> what can you do? And that helps the child to take autonomy and responsibility. In the same way, if we're taking responsibility for a teen's unhappiness, we're guaranteeing that that teen will grow up and find someone else to take care of them. And one thing I always tell parents is you don't want to prepare this teen for somebody to come to you later and say, I married your son or daughter, and it's kind of a nightmare. You know, I'm always having to take care of them because they're miserable, and it's my job to make them happy. You want that person who marries your teen to come in and say, thank you. You know, you got somebody who's loving and responsible and carries his own weight or her own loads, and they're a partner with me. They're not a child to me. That's the dream. In some ways, and again, you talk about it in your book, uh, you talk about an emotional vacuum. In some ways, you only parent to your own level of maturity is something that you say. Talk about that. Then. Well, that's kind of the negative part of all this, Jim. <laughs> it's, you know, we're called by God to impart love and discipline and freedom and all these great values to, to make the, this child ready for life. And yet, if you're not a growing person, there's going to be a ceiling there. That's why I say in the book, um, one of the best things you can do is to be in a really healthy church, to be in a really healthy growth group with people that can give you grace. Do you know what your issues are, what your weaknesses are? How's your marriage doing if you're a single mom or a single dad? And the growing parents doesn't have to be perfect, but the parent that's on the path is increasing the odds of that child's success. Great input. A lot of times, parents of teenagers feel very lonely, mm. and they do need to be connected. We want to talk about that in just a moment. We're going to take a break. We're with Dr. John Townsend. We're talking about boundaries with your teens. But first of all, we're kind of focusing on us as parents of teens because it's not easy being a teen, but it's not easy being a parent of a teen either. And if that's your story, we are glad you've tuned to Homeward with parenting and family expert Dr. Jim Burns. Roger Marsh here. Dr. Jim Burns, the parent of uh, three daughters who survived the teenage years. I should, should say Jim and his wife Kathy survived the teenage years with their daughters. Dr. John Townsend, a couple of boys and uh, his quiver, and also uh, myself with three kids, and Ben Camp, our engineer with three kids who have all survived the teen years as well. There is hope and you've uh, if you're looking for a fraternity or a sorority on that then you've come to the right place and you can learn more about how to survive the teen season with your kids when you visit our online resource center at homeward.com Welcome back to Homeward. I'm Jim Burns. Today, John Townsend is with us. We're talking about boundaries with teens. He's got a great new book called Boundaries with Teens, When to Say Yes, How to Say No. John, we were talking about parents. We've been focusing on the parents. But one of the things that you also said right before the break was, you know, we really need to be connected with, with other parents. 
And I know for Kathy and I, we were in a, a couples group for seven or eight years. We sort of grew our kids up together and it would be helpful. Sometimes they'd laugh at us because we'd say, here's our story. And then they'd try to play one up, you know, and yet we'd walk out feeling better and we realized all of our kids are, are struggling or we're all struggling. Um, talk about the connection that parents need. A lot of parents are out there lonely. Yeah, they really are. And some people have the idea, Jim, that I am being a failure if I reach out or um, I should not bother the people with my problems. And I promise you, if you have that mentality and that actually it's a theology, your team will break you of that <laughs> because parenting is work anyway. And what Barbie, my wife and I noticed was, you know, it was like the high maintenance years, I don't know, zero to three. And then it was kind of a cool time where we got together and they thought we were nice and we did all the soccer stuff. And, and then the teen years hit and it was like we looked at each other and went, so it's getting hard again. It was a, a totally different experience. And we found that all the, the energy and grace it took to these kids, we didn't have enough input. And so we made sure we were getting input. So it's almost like a law of physics, Jim. If you're a parent of a team, you are not enough. God says you are not enough for life anyway. Make sure you've got like-minded people who identify, who don't condemn you, who say, we've got struggles too. And what you find out is that you kind of come up with the answers together because everybody's in the same path. It's a wonderful connecting experience. Right, it really is important. I, I wish more churches would, would have more connection times for parents of teens, and, and hopefully even some of our listeners can get something going if they don't have it at their church. You have a great story about the importance of parents being a boundary for their kids. Tell us about the woman who had the reputation for being the easy mom. It's a great story. Well, I call her the easy mom, Jim, because she was called the easy mom. She's riding around in her car, I think, doing a carpool thing. And all of a sudden, here's in the back. One of the kids says, well, get your mom to let us go. She's the easy one. And she had one of those aha experiences like, I think this is a problem. Yeah. <laughs> is that That's not a compliment. Right. Right. In a good way, she really kind of took that as a charge to get to work. And what she realized was that, like a lot of us, she gave up being a parent for being a friend. And nothing wrong with friendship, but you can't be your parents, your kid's friend all the time. In fact, a teen that has a parent that can't let them hate them is going to be a problem. God lets us hate him all the time because we need to be honest about that and work that out and know what the limits are. And if you've got to keep your kid happy and away from frustration, you're reaping the whirlwind. So what she did is she did some things I talk about in the book. She learned how to define herself better, to be very clear. I love you, Jimmy. I'm on your side. But I don't do the following things. And the Smiths don't do these things. And it's on the refrigerator. Conduct, behavior, drugs, sexuality. These things are things that we do. We worship. And so here's what's okay and here's what's not okay, which is definition. The next thing she learned was separation. That when he came in, he was mad with her. Instead of trying to solve that and soothe that, she would step back and say, I'm sorry about your problem or about your grade or whatever, but this isn't all about me. I think you've got some responsibility here. And when you're ready to talk about your part, I'll be glad to. But until then, I'm just not going to be taking all the blame. The other thing is she had love and compassion. So while the kid was working out that his easy mom had transformed into this nightmare mom because she had boundaries and he didn't like that, she really was patient with him. She, in fact, she said, you know, I'm sorry. I think I've been the easy mom so long, you have a skewed idea of parenting and reality. And so it's going to be a transition while you're around a mom who has rules and follows up and has consequences and has rewards and all this. And I want to help you with that. But the rules are still the rules. You know, it's tough in a relationship sometimes when maybe the couple relationship isn't going well mm -hmm. and you want to be liked. You're not liked by your husband. You're not liked by your, by your wife. And so you want your kids to like you. But you can't be their friend at times. We have a, a, a term in psychology, Jim, you're familiar with it, called the parentified child. And this is the child that grew up with a parent who somehow had emotional needs met through him or her. 
And a lot of us are that way, where we never had our own adolescent passage, our rite of passage that um, we're supposed to have. And so this person grows up kind of a parent on the outside and a child on the inside. And so you don't want to do that to your child. What you want to do is you certainly want to tell your child, you can't treat me in certain ways and you need to ask me how my day was. <laughs> I mean, that's learning, you know, social and, and empathetic skills. But if the child is the one that keeps you sane and feels con- and feel connected and feel loved, the child's taking on a parent role and that's going to disfigure them emotionally. So make sure if you've got a hard time in your marriage, if you're a single parent, you've got other people in the body of Christ who are on your side and love you and they're cool with you and you can call them any time of day and you siphon off all of that into them and it will free your child to go through a normal adolescence. So you don't have to read about it in college later or hear about it. You want the hard times to be right now where you don't need that child to be an adult so the child can have the passage for themselves. That is great input. I am so glad that people are are hearing what you're saying because I think we really miss that. I'm going to give you a sentence that kind of goes along with that and I want you to relate to it. It's your sentence. Parents who live in an emotional vacuum run the risk of accidentally putting their teens into that vacuum. Well, it's just natural. I mean, God made us for relationship. Most important thing in the world, as you know, Jim, is relationship, either vertically with him or with each other. And so if you don't have that filled up with people who are full of warmth and affirmation and validation, it's another law of physics. You're going to get that need met. And if somebody's in your house, you're going to go toward that. So make sure, and I always tell parents this, I love my teen. I don't need my teen. And if you can love somebody without needing them, then the dependency needs that the child will sometimes take on because they care. I mean, if you're doing that, your child is going to respond by, well, this is how I get my love. If I take care of mom, make her feel good, then I get love back. And that's one of the sickest things that can happen. So if I love them and I need my support group and I need God and I need other people in my life, you're home free. You say aim to know who your teen is rather than to change your teen. That that hurts because a lot of us want to change our teen. Well, Change does come, and we're supposed to influence each other, and, and, and that, is, that is part of the package. But no self-respecting teen is going to listen to you and all the dreams and rules you have unless they feel understood. You know how Josh McDowell always, talk, always talks about how rules out relationship equal rebellion? Well, if a child feels like you won't enter their world, forget it. I know so many parents... In fact, in our family, we have a joke about that kind of parent, this, the, the lecture parent. And you, we'll go out to dinner with them, and the parent will spend the whole time saying, well, if you just make better grades, and the, people, the friends you pick, and why don't you go to church more? I'll watch the kid, and they'll just check out. They'll either just kind of turn around, or their eyes will go dim. And I'll have to get the parent to the side, do a little sidebar, and say, enter his world. What do you mean? Well, put your agenda on the back burner and suspend it in suspended animation and find out about her friends, her hurts, her fears, and don't make any moral judgment. Guess what? And, I always, and parents don't like this, but it really helps. Don't always tell them the moral. They know it. Just understand them. Don't say, well, I know you did that, but that's a bad thing. And Sally, you know, when she went out drinking, that's a bad thing. Just say, tell me more about Sally. It must be hard. If they know your rules, unless you've never told them the rules, but if you told them the rules, don't always finish up with a moral because they're going to get so tired, they're going to open up to somebody else. Be the parent that they go to. And so sometimes we just simply have to hang out with our kids. Yeah, we, we may not walk around the block. That was ours. Uh, I've got one kid who opens up really easily and one kid who takes some more work. And so the deal with him was we're going to walk around the block. I don't want, I don't want to talk about this deeper stuff. I don't like this. I want to go have... I said, that's fine. Walk around the block. And lo and behold, miraculously, about three-quarters of the way around the block, he started talking about his friends and his life because we got the pressure off of him having to perform for Dad because they're looking somewhere else and their vision somewhere else and there's no like eye-to-eye direct. 
and all of a sudden he wanted to open up. Kids want to open up to parents if parents can get off the lecture mode. Great input. Listen, we've got to have you back next time because I, I haven't even started uh, my question. So can you come back next time? Let's do it. Great. All right. Looking forward to part two of this continuing conversation. That'll be coming up on the next edition of the Homeward Broadcast. Parenting and family expert, Dr. Jim Burns, talking with Dr. John Townsend on boundaries in teens. If you have teens, if you have a hard time establishing boundaries with them, well, you'll want to continue listening to this conversation. Actually, if you missed any of today's program, it's archived at homeward.com. We're also podcasting through iTunes. You can start that free subscription today. Go to homeward.com, hit the podcast button, follow the prompts, and you can podcast along with us each and every weekday. I love John Townsend. I appreciate so much his wisdom and insight, and I'm very grateful that he could come and spend some time with us here in the studio today, and we'll have more with him next time as well. I had a few final words to share with you about the importance of becoming students of the culture. And I mean the culture in which your kids are living in and culture in which your kids are growing up in. I think it's essential for any parent because, well, you have to know what kind of world your kids are growing up in. And sometimes we don't want to know or we're so frightened that we don't take the time. I have three phrases for you that I want you to remember. Number one, with your kids, listen to what they listen to. Number two, watch what they watch. Number three, read what they read. What this means is you've got to invest time and energy into your kids' lives to understand who is influencing them and, and frankly, what is influencing them. Listen to what they listen to. Music is a big deal, and it's important for you to understand what kind of music is influencing and, frankly, impacting your kids. Now, all Christian music is not good, and all non-Christian music is all bad. I'm just simply saying it's important for us to know what goes in in our home, the CD is handed to us, and we have to listen to it. It takes a lot of time and energy, but frankly, it's worth it. It can also engage in great dialogue with a parent and a child if they are listening to what the kids listen to as well. Secondly is watch what they watch. Of course, this is very, very important because, again, kids are going to watch things that you may not even like, but you're going to have to ask questions like, is this harmful? I know for me, there are certain programs that I will allow my kids to watch under the condition that dad sits with them and then afterwards we have dialogue. Two things. One is sometimes we have great conversation. The other thing is sometimes they don't want me to sit with them and so we don't watch the program and, you know, that's not a bad thing either. Movies need to be debriefed. One time, uh, Kathy had my daughter Heidi at a gymnastic event and so I took the other two girls to a program. It was PG-13. They were definitely of age. It ended up being more trashy than I thought it was going to be and so Afterwards, I watched the movie with my girls, thought, oh my goodness, what am I doing? Didn't want to walk out of the movie. So afterwards, we went and had some ice cream, and we sat around, and we debriefed what we had heard. And actually, I think it became a better conversation piece than if we would have just walked out and kind of protested it. Next is read what they read. And a lot of kids don't read a lot of books, but they do read magazines. And so what I've tried to do in my own life is become a student of the culture by reading teen magazines, if you can believe it. I don't subscribe to any. I just go to the uh, local library and buzz through them. But then it shows me who's influencing, what styles are happening, what kind of negative stuff. I and mean, it shocks me sometimes when I look at the front of a magazine cover and it's all about sex and sexuality and it's for teens. So again, listen to what they listen to, watch what they watch, and read what they read. Well, Jim, it does take a lot of work. It takes a certain measure of intentionality, but with the electronic uh, options that we have in social media in particular, uh, parents can really do a better job of this because of Google, of course. You can search. Also, if you've got an electronic reader, like an e-reader like Kindle or Nook, a lot of them come with functions where you can actually uh, subscribe to library books and things like that. You can kind of check out the local library online, too, so you don't have to actually drive down and do it. But be intentional. Let your kids know that you care about them by paying attention to their culture, and then 
introducing them to what it's like to be a grown-up as well. You can kind of bridge the gap in both directions, and that will make the parenting season so much more enjoyable for you. And we appreciate the fact that you are praying for and supporting financially the Ministry of Homeward, so we can be a resource for you as well. Now for Dr. Jim Burns, our engineer Ben Camp, and the rest of the staff, I'm Roger Marsh. Thanks so much for listening. Be sure to join us again next time right here for another edition of Homeward. Homeward with Jim Burns is a production of the Homeward Center for Youth and Family at Azusa Pacific University.